Welcome to the Principal's Office Podcast, where we believe that the principal's job is the most interrupted job on the planet, and creating a clear and cohesive plan is the best way to improve your school. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Miller. I'm the founder of Leaders Building Leaders, and it's my goal each week to introduce you to new strategies and initiatives that are improving schools across the country. You're going to learn leadership principles that are going to help you accelerate your growth, build your teams, and execute on those goals so you can exceed those expectations of the communities that you aim to serve. If you want to learn more about what we do, you can go to our website at lbleaders.com. But for right now, enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Let's hit the record button. All right. Well, welcome. 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 My name is Tom Miller, and I'm the owner of Leaders Building Leaders. And, uh, and all of us every day at Leaders Building Leaders, when I say all of us, it's all three of us. <laughs> we wake up each day to be the difference maker in the leadership development of individuals and organizations. So, and we do that through coaching and training and consulting um, and grant writing as well. Uh, we've helped uh, schools get over $12 million, I think we're up to the last you know, couple of years. So, so thanks for letting me live out my purpose uh, today and, and share a little bit of my learning. And, and I know this is some really great, important content uh, today that you're going to get. Um, so I'm going to be sharing with you uh, practices and principles that are so critical to you, no matter where you are level leadership, because unless you live on a deserted island, um, you're, you know, you're going to come across, you know, difficult people, right? I mean, unless you're the only person, you know, somehow in a place, uh, you know, you're going to come across them and you need to have these, these uh, skills to be able to do it. Um, so I'm going to teach you, there's seven steps to leading and communicating difficult people. However, I don't have time to go to all seven and you don't have the time, uh, but I'm going to go very deep into one, which is maybe the most important and the hardest one to actually learn. Um, so if you want to learn more about the other, uh, you know, six, we've got some, you know, programs. And if you want to work with us, you know, further, you certainly can. And some of you may already do that. So um, now I know your list is massive today. I know you've got a lot of, you know, people that might be at your door right now actually waiting for you, right? Or trying to get you or your phones blowing up. Um, so what I'm going to teach you today you're going to be excited and enthusiastic about actually having those difficult conversations. I promise. And you may not think so, but by lunchtime, if you're on the East coast, like it's almost lunchtime, you'll be seeking those difficult conversations out rather than avoiding them. I, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you. So is that fair enough? Give me a yes in the chat box. If you're like, yes, that's exactly what I want. I want to, I want to embrace, right. I want to embrace those difficult conversations. I want to feel confident and comfortable having them. So awesome. Thanks Veronica. And let us know in the chat box where you're from. We got, we got folks all over the country, maybe even the globe. But I'll have to keep looking there. So, so, you know, again, if you want to learn all seven and really accelerate your leadership and communication, I'm going to let you know how to do that, you know, before the end of the session. Um, and, and so I would love to be a longer part of your journey. But either way, this session is going to add incredible value to you. And we should about, you know, 15 minutes or so, but I'll stay on as long as you all want to. Uh, to you know, really dive into how effective leaders lead difficult adults. Um, so you should have got your email with your downloadable worksheet, right? So everybody should have that. I worked hard in that study guide. Hopefully it's helpful for you. And it, it should keep you uh, focused during the call, right? And really track those gems. 
because it's not really about as important as what I say, it's what you're hearing on the inside that's going to make a big difference. So just make sure that you capture those ideas. Um, I can't remember who it was, but someone said ideas like slippery fish, right? You got to, you got to gas them right away. Uh, so, if, uh, you know, a thought comes to you, you know, jot it down. Okay. Um, so if there's one thing that I know for sure that the most difficult person in my life to lead is me, Tom Miller. I'm a, I'm a full-time job leading me. And a lot of you know me and you'll say, yeah, he's right. He, he is a, <laughs> he's a bear. So I was preparing, as I was preparing for the session, every single challenge and characteristic that I identified, everything that I share with you, I've done it myself as a, as a principal, as a special ed teacher, as a state consultant, um, as a you know, business owner, co all these things I'm going to share with you, I've done them, I've made the errors, and I've learned how to correct them and now have you know, better habits towards you know, getting better results. Okay, So nothing that I'm sharing today, I haven't done myself in a failing moment, nor a successful moment. Okay, So remember that failure and success are partners. They go hand in hand. So be very gentle on yourself. Be very gentle. And if this is the first time that you've ever been on one of our, you know, sessions, so, you know, welcome, right? So, and some of you maybe couldn't come on live, so you listen to the archives, and we welcome you too. So, um, just real quick about my uh, family. I'm a father of two. I've got um, a seventh grade daughter, uh, Devin, and she's my soul shine. And I've got my, uh, my son, Matthew, who just turned eight, and he's, um, he just makes me laugh and cry every day. If you've been in our sessions, you've seen some of our pictures, you've probably seen Matthew. He refuses to cut his hair since uh, COVID, so he's starting to look a little bit like, um, uh, was it it? No, thing. He's, uh, or, you know, whatever it was in the Adams family that had the hair all the way down. Someone put it in a chat box, what it was. That's what he's starting to look like. Um, my wife, uh, Jennifer, uh, we met in seventh grade. We were in seventh grade homeroom together, uh, but we did not start to be a couple or have a relationship really until college. Uh, but, you know, we've known each other for over 30 years. So if there's anybody that I've had to learn how to have conversations with in a positive way and to overcome some difficulties, it's probably I've had the most with her. And she teaches me a lot. So, um, so let's get started, shall we? We got, we got 40 people. This is great. Keep them coming in. Um, so let me start here. Nothing that I say today, nothing that I say today is meant to excuse the inappropriate behavior by any adult, okay? So you may wanna write that down. Nothing I say today makes it okay for people to be difficult because <laughs> they don't, right? Nobody has that right. What I'm gonna share with you is I think most times they don't know that they're difficult. <laughs> so. To get best prepared, I have posted two questions in our school leadership uh, Facebook page and some other, you know, Facebook groups to really get an understand. And if you're a member of our uh, Facebook group, thanks so much. Uh, we love all your questions and your resources that you're sharing. Um, and so the first question was, what behaviors do you observe difficult adults conducting in the organization that you lead, right, or in your, or in your community or on, or on your team? And so we got some really great answers, right? So there was the, uh, you know, defensive person, right? So every time that I share one, you know, give me a yes in the chat box if you know. Now, don't mention the person's name, Ms. Lawson, because, you know, someone may hear this, right? So, like, say, yes, I know this type of person, right? You might be this type of person. I don't know. So there's the defensive person. And this is the person to, you know, you know I work so hard. How dare you give me feedback, right? Or, 
Uh, how dare you make me clock? And I'm here on weekends, and I, right? So how many of you know the defensive, you know, person, right? So that's one. There's the inflexible person. That, that, that's, you know, that's, that's like, if the students are not learning, that's their fault, not mine mentality. <laughs> it's just, it just um, yeah. So, uh, so maybe you know that person. Um, don't forget the fearful, right? So this is the person who's afraid of change and just like, complaining in a passive aggressive way seems to be their best way to communicate um, to you, right? That, that, that they're not happy with something. <laughs> Sometimes they actually complain to other people and never actually to the person that they need to. But anyway, uh, so that's actually the conflict avoider, right? The conflict avoider, these employees talk to everyone about the challenges that they have, except the person that they actually have a challenge with, right? So if you know, so if you know that you know person, you may know them, right? Um, there was also a description and uh, of a two-faced employee, which was interesting. Um, it reminds me of of a book uh, by uh, Patrick Lencioni uh, called um, uh, "The Ideal Team Player." And so I'm going to call this person the skillful politician. Right? This is the one who dresses the part, who looks the part, talks the part in certain crowds, but get them in a small room. Get them one-on-one -on -one and oh my gosh, look out, like they are, they are vicious at times. So maybe you've had one of those on your team. Um, you gotta really, they're probably the most dangerous person in your organization. Um, and then, you know, then there's those that are just apathetic, right? And there's, you know, um, you know they're, they're like a blocker with a clout, you know, there's, there's arrogant and indifferent employees, or there's ones who don't take responsibility for his or her actions. I mean, there are, you know, the stubborn people. There's just so many distracted, right? <laughs> There's just so many. There's so many characteristics that make it hard at times. And and so I'm actually starting to get a stomachache. It's actually remembering some of the instances when I was a principal. You know, so so if any of these resonate with you specifically, make sure you put a comment in the chat about what it is that they did. I'm really curious. Again, don't name names. No names. Um, so the second question was, what characteristics do you typically see in difficult adults? And this was unapproachable, right? They just always seemed like they're challenged or put out by, you know, something, right? Or there's just, you know, selfish, like, that's not my problem. I've got my kids, you know, they close their door, leave me alone. There's the uh, dramatic uh, one. They're, they're insecure, dishonest. And I'm sure you guys have some other examples. So go ahead and yeah, so I see the pushy aggressive, the bully type, the spreading negativity person. Oh gosh, yep. Uh yes to all. I'm so who is that? I'm sorry, Brenda. <laughs> uh Dr. McQueen's knows he's tell you up inflexible. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's a bunch. Apathetic. Yeah. So what happens? So what happens if we don't if we don't address these characteristics, right? What happens if you don't identify and address these actual characteristics? I mean, does it get better on its own? Yes or no, <laughs> right? So I think I've shared this story with you know, some of you. So I'll um, just hit the high notes of this. Uh, when I was a principal, it was my second year as a middle school principal. Uh, we had five teacher transitions in one class by October. Five transitions in one class by the end of October, right? And so the veteran teacher who started the year, she left at this, it's a year-round school, so, you know, 
cut me some slack. It was a little bit more monthly. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, so they had they left at the end of the first nine weeks. They left for the school system. And so the internal hire that I made, I probably shouldn't have hired this person, but I was new and didn't know what I was doing. And if you need help with hiring, I've learned a lot and I can help you get through there. Uh, so that you know, person only lasted a week because <laughs> they put their hands on some middle school kids and um, shoved them to their seat, which is a no-no. You can't, you can't, you can't do that. Um, so after that didn't work out, I resorted to just moving my desk into that, you know, classroom and just, you know, teaching the class myself. Those poor kids, I got 700 SATs. I could barely probably read the textbook, let alone teach them science. But it was the only way to keep order in the seventh grade. We had a full-time sub in there, you know, when I couldn't be in there. So it took me about 30 days, but I finally found a strong uh, candidate who just moved into the area and she was built for middle school, right? She was very strong in content, very strong in classroom management. Like she, like, you could just feel her uh, presence, right? And so in about two weeks, like she had that class just moving, moving in the right direction. And so, and overall, you know, the middle school was really starting to you know, gain momentum. And we were, um, you know, we had built uh, PLCs. We had moved to a 90 minute, um, you know, block schedule that had cross content, you know, planning and curriculum and just really great things were starting to happen at our school. Uh, we had established, you know, consistent meeting times and there was norms and non-negotiables that we had put into place um, that we had worked on at the end of the year before and all, you know, through the summer and during the workshops at the start of the year, right? So you might be already feeling what I'm getting to. Now, she missed all of that, right? She missed all of that initial kind of work to get here. And uh, any expectation not communicated is merely a thought. If, if you leave with anything today, that's a quote that you probably need to write down. Any expectation not communicated is merely a thought. So it just seemed like strange things always started to happen with this new teacher. Anytime we had a staff meeting or a really important a PLC meeting, I just started to notice that she was late or she had something going on. She had to leave early or she couldn't be there. There was just always something. She had to make copies and, and you know, despite these issues, Class was coming around. I wasn't getting any parent complaints, and I could, you know, finally do the rest of my job. Every time I walked in and did a walkthrough, kids were learning. They were focused. Uh, you know, occasionally I had like a parent uh, complain that the expectations were too high, but you know, come on, I was fine. I was like, look, kids are learning. Let's get there. So I, I had, you know, students say, you know, Doctor, when you're in class she's a little bit different to us than when you're not in class. And I was like, what, you know, come on, what do you mean? You're a seventh grader. You don't know anything. Right. <laughs> and then a couple of staff members started to say like, you know, she hasn't come to a PLC meeting like in three weeks. <laughs> I was like, Oh, so I had a talk with her. It was kind of a passive aggressive talk. And I explained to our goals and where we came from and how she's been so critical to our success so far. She's really kind of, you know, right in the ship. And, and I just, I, I need you to come to these meetings. Oh my gosh, she immediately started to tell me how far behind kids were, that she didn't have the time. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'm not saying you have to take extra time out of your day. Just make sure you communicate with your team, right? Because really, I just wanted to be able to move forward. And another, I didn't want another transition, right? We had already had, you know, so many. And it was really getting close to, you know, March and the spring break. And, and so over the next, you know, 30 days, like our staff really tried hard. Um, she had, you know, something happened to her uh, personally that was really horrific, and I was really proud of the staff, the way they rallied around her, you know, for this and helped her. They helped her move into her new place. I mean, just a lot of things were happening in her life, you know, personally, 
But I really loved, you know, that the staff rallied around, even though she wasn't necessarily the best, you know, team player. And all of a sudden, her uh, demeanor really started to change, and to the point where I found myself avoiding her classroom during walkthroughs, which is almost impossible because all of our buildings are connected. I would actually walk out of a building, walk around her class, and into the next one. Right? That's how that's how passive aggressive I started to become. I just didn't want to deal with the truth, right? And so. I got this lengthy email from, you know, from a parent about how, you know, she was disrespectful to her child and, um, and all these things were happening. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm constantly getting, you know, complaints. I'm right back to where I was, you know, five months ago. And, and I was like, okay, um, I made a decision that I was going to get a sub. We were, you know, past spring break, we're heading into EOGs. I was like, I just can't have this negative culture on the campus anymore. And, And so, um, I always knew that she arrived at the school at a certain time because she was she loved the copies. I'm like, well, let me get there early. Let me be waiting in the copy room for her. This was a Thursday morning. Let me just wait for her there. And I got to school and her car was, I was like, okay, great. I'm just going to have this conversation. I think we're just going to make a change now. Well, I walk in and she's not in the copy room. And I can see her walking down to her classroom. She had this massive, massive uh, like like uh, you know hundreds of like you know copies like you know telephone books. A lot of you are too young to know what a telephone book is, but everybody's uh, phone number used to be in a telephone book and it's really thick. But she was you know carrying us down to her you know classroom. So I was like okay. So I went down to go down and meet her, and I said I said hey can you put that you know stuff down? I want to talk to you. And so I just started to let her know about how you know her uh, behavior was really becoming a problem. Um, you know, on the staff and an impact on the campus and the parent of complaints were really starting to rise up. And, and last night, the one that I got was just so horrific. And I just couldn't even imagine that it would be true. And, and I just think that I think this is the right time. I said, like, you know, there's there's a little more than 30 days left in the school year. And you've really done a great job for us. But I'm going to let you go. I don't I don't you don't need to come back. So if you watch Sanford and Son, all of a sudden, like, she she grabbed her chest and started to like, kind of like fall like, you know, backwards into a chair. And I went to reach for her to help her. She said, don't touch me. And then she she looked over at her desk and she saw her laptop and she started to go over. And I don't know what she was trying to, you know, delete things or whatever she was trying to do. And I just walked over calmly. I, was, I just, it's okay. Put the laptop away. Like, it's all right. You know, it's you've got time. I'm going to pay you throughout the rest of the year. Just. And then she saw that giant telephone book of copies, and I, I, I swear, but she grabbed it, and tried to like, like she was in like a strongest man contest, and tried to tear the, tear the, all the finals in half. And I said, please, please just put them down. Please just put them down. Now by this time, students were starting to arrive, and they were lining up outside the door with the substitute that I had even prepared from the day before, and, and I was just like, I got to get her out of here. So. At that point, finally, my colleague, my assistant principal, showed up, and he was able to escort her out, and we let that, you know, let the SRO know and say, just make sure she gets home safe. I, you know, I just want to make sure she gets home safe. So I go to the door and I open the door up and I let the class in. Hey, good morning, everybody. And of course, hey, where is, you know, Mrs. We'll just call her Mrs. Smith. Yeah, where is? And I was like, oh, she had to go, and you know, you'll be covered today. You'll you'll be great. And, and uh, so I called my boss and I said, Hey, I just uh, wanted to let you know what happened. And um, <laughs> he said, uh, he said, yeah. So what did you learn? 
And I was like, oh, I don't know. Did I suck at hiring people? And he's like, no, no, that's not it. <laughs> I'm like, uh, um, what? He goes, you got to shovel the pile when it's small. You got to shovel the pile when it's small. Conversations, difficult conversations, never get easier the longer you wait. And the worse the outcome is always going to be. Always. Todd Whitaker, if anybody's read any of his work in his book, Dealing with Difficult Parents, he said, um, and this is at the very top of your workbook, right? This is a fill in the blank here. It said, if you do not figure out how to, how to if you do not figure out effective and appropriate ways to lead and communicate with difficult people, you may become apprehensive about communicating with difficult people. If you do not figure out effective and appropriate ways to lead and communicate with difficult people, you may become apprehensive. So in other words, if you can't address the difficult folks, you will impact your relationship, right? With your engaged and reliable employees. If you don't figure out effective and appropriate ways to lead difficult adults, you may become apprehensive. That's exactly what happened to me. I was losing credibility and trust of the people who had been there because I just didn't want to address the inappropriate behavior that was happening in between those four walls. And your second phone a blank, as a leader, you must declare, right, noble intent. You've got to declare noble intent and act as though 100% of the people in your organization, right, 100% of the adults, that they're all doing the best that they can. They're all doing the best that they know how. Now, however, in this case, because I was not addressing the issue head on, when they occurred, I was losing massive credibility. Now, as you lead your school, let me ask you right now, it doesn't matter what role you're in, whether you're a teacher on this call, assistant principal on this call, EC director, head of school, it doesn't matter. Without looking at the data, are you able to identify who the most office referrals come from? Which classrooms do you spend the most time in? You could probably do that, right? Did it change the way you communicated with them or designed your professional development for them? I mean, I've enough, enough classroom walkthroughs over my 20 years here in ineffective and effective schools, right? Ineffective and effective. And it doesn't take me five to seven minutes now to identify whether the teacher is um, prepared, right? Whether they're the ones that write the most referrals. Doesn't take long because you just know, you start to get a sense of it, right? We know, and I love a principal walkthrough as we have a training on it next week. And so, I mean, it's, it's so important for you to, to have observational thinking and everybody who's difficult in your school, what are their characteristics versus everybody who's not? <laughs> and you can start to identify it really, really fast. What are the characteristics of those? So, so let's, so let's get back on track. I got off task here for a second. So, all right, let's get to these seven steps. And again, you know, I'm just going to hit the top waves of these first six. Um, 
because that's what you came here really is for that number seven. But I want you to have a context of those top you know, six. And this is why you're here, right? So page two of your workbook and your study guide. Everybody should be there right now, all right? Now, recently, while you know, consulting for a charter school, I was having some roundtable conversations with their teachers about you know, culture. And a group of teachers were complaining about their board, you know, the charter school board, not understanding the school, not, you know, not attending school events and, and not touring the school and not you know, participating in classrooms. So I asked one of the teachers, I said, well, is that, is that what you expect them to do? Do they know that? I said, because I've been a board member for six years now, and I would be really surprised if that's what, if that's what, um, if that's what was expected of me. I wouldn't have known that. Now, an expectation is defined as believing that something is going to happen or believing that something should happen in a certain way. And remember, I've already told you, any expectation not communicated is merely a thought. Right now, I know the struggle when communicating clear expectations, right? It's something that I have to work on every single day. And I will at times allow my faulty assumptions to close that expectation gap. Like in my mind, right, you know, they should know that. It's never led to better results. And so being across schools across the country, actually across the globe now, like the lack of clearly understood and communicate expectation is the number one issue that I see in broken relationships and poor performing teams and the cause of most conflicts. I mean, give me a yes in the chat box if you could agree. Like if I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing and I don't know what's expected of me, how could I do that? I don't know, right? And so as a result, the organization suffers and people quit other people. People don't quit organizations. I mean, think about it. Every job that you've moved from, you've left because you saw greener grass somewhere else. Because someone didn't believe in you or someone didn't feed you, someone didn't take care of you, somebody wasn't thinking of you. So here are, here are those seven steps, right, that you can adopt and communicate in a clear expectation. They're vitally important to leading difficult people because you can't lead difficult people without these first six in place, okay? Again, high waves, so you can get, we can get to the heart is most important. That's why you can. So number one is you got to get clear yourself, right? So that's number one. Most things are crystal clear in your head, but if you can't clearly articulate them on uh, paper and verbally, you aren't ready to share them. So you can take 15 minutes, right? And write out, don't type it, write it out each day. What is it that I want to really see happen here? What is it that I wanna see in my school, in my business, in my life? Like what, what is it that I'm trying to achieve, right? It's your vision. And we've got a great you know, training on vision casting that's part of our um, empowerment mentoring uh, program. And our you know, teacher leader academy goes through it too. And, I'm in a principal leader. I mean, everybody, because vision casting, I believe, is so important. Because I believe without vision, people perish. They don't literally die. They just don't know what to do, right? They, they need, they, they have to understand where we're going. What does success look like? And if you're not sure, go observe successful organizations. Go observe and talk to, you know, successful schools that, you know, someone who leads a school more successful than yours, like, because it's hard to have vision if you get to open your eyes. And that's where our uh, principal consortium and our uh, teacher leader uh, consortiums were great, because we got to go visit best practices schools and specifically ask them, 
pre-COVID days, but we got to ask those leaders, like, how did you do this? Like, show us and tell us. So they can be more in schema. So that's, so that's step one. Step two is decide where you need to set expectations, okay? So think about the gaps that exist in the organization you lead, right? On your team and the actions. So results leave clues. <laughs> So figure out where you're falling short and define exactly what needs to happen. Remember, an expectation is defined as believing that something is going to happen or believing that something should happen in a certain way. And any expectation not communicated is just a thought. People need to and deserve to know what is expected of me. Don't, do not tell me, right? Do not, not tell me, but then judge me on it, because that's what happens. We don't communicate expectations. Then we see people not doing what we expected them to do, and then we immediately judge them. Give me a yes if that's ever happened. Like, have you ever seen that? I'm like, wait, why did you just, did you tell them that they were supposed to do that? Why are you mad at them? They don't know. They're only doing as best as they can until you prove otherwise. And that's, we're going to get to that. I'm going to teach you how to prove otherwise. So remember my story, right? I expected a teacher to adhere to uncommunicated expectations because she was a veteran. I expected her to fall on the line with the rest of the troops and she didn't. And because I didn't correct her or tell her, I guess I expected someone else on the team to do that. I lost big time, right? All right, so those are the first two. Anybody have any questions on the first two what questions do you have i saw courtney had a question about the fill in the blanks there um, hopefully someone can help her out we got to go back to it too you know courtney any questions on the first two right so get clear yourself and decide where you need to set expectations super important all right three is understand the why understand the why so providing others with context, right, and justification for expectations is going to increase the employee's accountability for meeting them. Helping people understand and see the bigger picture and how they're meeting that expectation achieves the bigger picture goals. I always call it the role to the goal, right? If you ever hear me say, what's my role to the goal? Like, what do you want me to do? How, like, how do I fit into this bigger picture? It's going to accelerate the support, right? So like, there's, there's a big one going on and you know, like, you know, clocking in, right? A lot of teachers have issue with clocking in. Well, have we, you know, told them why we wanted to clock in? Maybe it's to, to make sure that they made it to school safely today and they're not stranded on the side of the road or we know all the classes are covered or we want, you know, backup to make sure that you get paid what you're uh, supposed to get paid. But in the absence of information, we assume the worst. Well, you're micromanaging me. <laughs> Maybe, but there's also many other reasons why we do things like that. So, so they need to understand the why behind we're doing it. That's very important. And that goes all the way back to the first one, getting really clear yourself. If you're not sure why, then you can't communicate why, then don't ask people to do it. All right, step four is to meet with employees and discuss the expectations. So this can happen in large groups, small group, one-on-ones, okay? I would go from most, right, or from uh, least restrictive to most restrictive. 
the least restrictive would be big group, right? Uh, so sit down with employees, either individually or as a group, and communicate the expectations. Discuss the expectations. Don't send expectations in an email or a memo. Stop it. Nobody's reading it. The only people reading the memo are the ones you don't have to worry about. So don't. You can certainly send it on the back end as a follow-up. Just to re-communicate. For those who need it in writing, here's what we all committed to, okay? So meet with employees to discuss expectations. Don't just have an idea and just, boom, throw it at people, okay? The next step is to gain agreement and commitment at the meeting. So once you've communicated and documented your expectations to them, both you and you know, the employees should go back over them. So let's just say this happens in a meeting. You're having a meeting. You're communicating expectations. Someone's taking meeting minutes, right? And maybe at the end, we throw it up on the wall and we're like, okay, take a look at all these commitments here that we have committed to, all these things that were good, right? Because you're going to ensure that you're on the same page. Maybe you need to sign off on it. Like whatever it is, right? If it's a physical handout, you're signing off, we're, we're going over. Now, these are the words that you're going to avoid at the end of this meeting. Avoid these. Everybody got it? Uh, didn't you get the memo? Right? Are we good? Like, those are too broad. You want to be specific. Tell me what you understand is your responsibility. What are your next steps to achieving this goal? What specific questions do you have about the expectations? Are you able to commit by February 19th at five o'clock to have this completed? Right? So eliminate the broad, okay? Eliminate the broad. So step six is to identify the current reality. Oh. Is that right? Or did I change? Yeah, no, that's it. Identify the current reality. I used to call it inspect what you inspect what you expect. Someone said they didn't like that. I like it, but you're really just identifying the current realities. I don't call what you call it, just do it. You cannot lead from behind your desk. You gotta lead by walking around, checking in with your people, ensuring that they understand and follow through with those agreed upon committed expectations. You can schedule one-on-one, you know, check-ins. Ask them what they are working on and how you can help. If they're working on something that was not in the commitment, you may want to say, oh, that's great. Where are we with the project we talked about yesterday, <laughs> right? I like having benchmarks and everybody's rope is at a different length. So you may need to check in more regularly with certain people or you may just, and it's not micromanaging, you might just want to say, hey, look, you work really hard and I think you're going to take this task probably like through the roof and you're going to work on it all night long. Okay. So the last thing that I want you to do is to work on something and take it to the finish line, but I miscommunicated and now you just spent all this extra time and effort on something that is not what I wanted. So why don't, when you get to this point, why don't you check in with me? Right. Tell me if you have ever had that happen before where you worked on a project to the end and you worked on your time, not school time, 
and then you got it to your boss and it's not what they wanted. Because I'll have to say to people, I'll say, look, you all know me well. Sometimes I leave out important details. I need to make sure you're on the right track because I don't want to waste your time. I don't want you to feel like you did it wrong because the only person who did it wrong here is Tom Miller. I communicated it wrong, right? You got you to gotta fall on the sword and take the lead, everybody. Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks, Courtney. Yeah, so those are the six, all right? So those are the six steps, high level, um, to get there. So get clear yourself, decide where you need to set expectations, understand the why, meet with your employees to discuss the expectations, gain agreement and commitment at the meeting, and, that, and, then, and, then, and then identify the current reality, okay? You got those six. What questions do you have on those first six? And if you want to, um, well, if I gave you, let me pull it off. If you want to unmute yourself, let's see here. I think I should be able to do that. I'll let you do that here. All right. If you want to unmute yourself and ask a question, let's take 30 seconds here. If someone wants to do that, go ahead or put it in the chat box. Hi, Tom. Hi. Hey, how's it going, Doug McQueen? All right. Good, good, good. All right. I think I love this. I absolutely love it. But I don't, I, I want everybody to like me. I hate to say it, but I do. And so I have a hard time when I get to an unreasonable staff member, I, I'm trying to find a way to put it mildly and kindly and sweetly. And I think that's a big problem in my communication. I hear you with that. I feel the same way sometimes. <laughs> I think this next step is gonna really help you, right? Because Here's what I've learned. When we don't help people be their best or help them be more aware of how their behavior is impacting people, they're actually angrier at us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? Just like kids, like, right? I mean, when we let kids off the hook, they lose respect for us, don't they? Yes, yes. And, and, I didn't know that <laughs> until a couple of them told me, you know, when I was coaching high school baseball, I didn't know until when they were adults, when they said, I wish you would have done this differently. I was like, wow, I would have never thought that a 14 year old kid would have that understanding, but yes. Yes. thank you. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, so, so let's, so maybe hop back in when, when we do some role play and let's actually practice that conversation. Will you do that? Absolutely. Okay, perfect. All right. So let's, so let's get this. Let me see if there's any more things in here. Um, got clear with yourself. What did you actually come up with, Tom? Did you write down first? When you, oh, get clear with yourself. Yeah, so it's any, anything that you want done, right? So for like, um, so one task that I'm working on for a school is I want every general ed teacher to have access to their um to to the student accommodations for um ec through um ecats and a physical piece right so i had to like write out like what are all the things that i want to see happening and how will i know success you know looks like well one i'll have less you know parent email complaints i will be able to go into a classroom and see actually accommodations at work i'll be able to have a conversation with the teacher and they know that the ec accommodate like i just had to like what is it that i want to see and then when I went 
into the classroom, I could tell like, uh, I don't think this is what I wanted, right? If you don't have clarity in what you want something to look like, how will you know what you're looking for to make sure it's right, right? You could walk into a room and be like, this isn't what I envisioned. And I'm gonna talk about that right now. So that's a really good question. So thanks Linda for bringing that up here. Let's see, Stephanie, talking about setting expectations. How do you decide the important things, especially if there's a good amount that are consistent problems? How do you decide the important things, especially there are a good amount that are consistent problems? Okay, so like how do you prioritize, you know, the most important? That's a good one. Um, Let's let's come back to that. Don't let me off the hook with that one, Courtney. Let's go through the exercise, and I think this may clear it up because what we're going to do here, when we address the little things immediately, is uh, step seven, is we're going to help close the gap. So, little things eventually lead to big things, right? So remember, um, you've got to create, you got to get through these six steps before you can really create accountability. Because I can't hold someone accountable. For something that I haven't told them and there's always this like professionalism 101 that I hear and yeah I mean I hear you with that but everybody has a different a different definition of what being a professional looks like right I mean just walk in any store or any school you're going to see a mess you know difference but what does success and professionalism look like here and I believe that's you know defined in your core values right there's the six questions uh, to clarity Question one is why do we exist? And question two is how do we behave? So I think you have to get really clear around your expectations of behavior, adult behavior and kid behavior. Because if you fail to follow that process, you're not, you're not gonna be able to express your expectations clearly. So, <clears throat> Let's take a look. So on page, it's page five of your study guide. I wrote a, a mini script here, okay? And it, it, it sounds like this. Um, so I'll, I'll play both parts here. Uh, hey, Mr. Miller, um, at the team meeting, uh, we had agreed and committed to having all of our uh, data, all of our you know, formative assessment data in the Google Drive by five o'clock on Friday. But now when I went to analyze all the teacher's data over the weekend, I happened to notice that your data was not in there. Can you help me understand how come you were not able to meet that commitment, okay? So this is the, um, and, I've, and I've expanded this. It used to be the VRO model. And now I'm like, well, we need more steps. It's the V-R-U-O-L. <laughs> it might be too much. So vision. What was the result I desired to see? I desired to see all the data in the Google Drive by five, right? The reality, what actually happened? Everybody's data was in there except you, Tom Miller. That was, right, that's the uh, behavior. And then so I've added this understand, right? So you gotta seek to understand through questioning and listening. So this may help point back to, you know, Dr. McQueen and uh, Courtney's, you know, question, right? is you don't need to do this, you need to do this in a calm, confident way. If you have set the clear expectations, you have communicated your vision of what you want to see happen, and then, and then you tell them what reality is, right? You can't guess, it has to be tangible, can't be subjective, it should, should be objective, and then just ask them, 
help me understand how come you're not able to meet that commitment. What happened? And so they could give you any excuse in a book, right? I'm sorry to hear that you had issue with getting the data uploaded. Did you ask a teammate to help you? I didn't see an email from me. Did I miss an email from you? Did you try calling me? So there's two things we need to get to, you know, Tom Miller. One is, when do you think you can have this data into Google Drive? Can you have it by noon today? Can you have it by, you know, you know I mean, whatever time you set. <laughs> but, you, but you ask them. Don't tell them yet. When can you have it done by? Because now you're getting a commitment from them, not a directive. Excellent. I look forward to seeing it at 5 o'clock today. Oh, one more thing. How could I have improved my communication or support to ensure next time you're able to make that commitment? Right? So it's vision, reality, understand, opportunity for improvement. Okay, now this has some terms. So the opportunity for you know, improvement here was, well, they told me they're gonna have it done. They didn't tell me they had any issues, right? Any more issues. But the opportunity you know, for improvement could be, well, here's how you could do it better next time, right? This is a different you know, conversation and we'll, we'll handle that other one here in a second. But the lead part, like get feedback on how you could have improved. So now I'm telling you, I'll take this one. How could I have done better? So the next time that I have the same issue with Tom Miller, I can say, hey, Tom, I happen to notice that you didn't have your data in again. This is the second time that this has happened. Here is what you're going to do differently, right? You're, now you're in more a directive mode, right? You're, now you're more in a supervisory mode of how they're going to improve because now they're on some sort of action plan and we're going to talk about that impact here in a second all right so dr mcqueen take what's a what's a what's an issue what's an issue that you're that you're working through right now so when you kind of think about you know something that you're trying to see happen what's an example that you know something you're you know working towards that sometimes you have some you know folks who don't follow through well, I can tell you one that is past tense, but it really still bothers me. We had a teacher who basically was a bully by every mm. definition in, in the dictionary, a bully. But I didn't want to hurt her feelings. I always feel sorry for people. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want them to be angry at me. So I was so gentle with her and she was literally bulldozing every human being in the building, especially her colleagues. She went to yep. the, the secretary who's been at our school for 19 years and I love her to death. She said, didn't I tell you I'm married now? So you redo the programs and put Mrs. So-and-so, you have MS. Yep. And then the secretary was crying. She was so upset that she spoke to her that way. And I felt horrible that I didn't stop it, that I didn't intervene. And, that I, and then when I did talk to her about it, I wasn't happy with what I said because I was so overly gentle to the teacher that mm. it wasn't 
it, it just worked out really horribly. And I hate to say it, just horribly. And finally, yep. at the end of the year, I had to um, give her an opportunity to find her joy somewhere else. Yeah, that's right. And so, <laughs> the, so the joyful accountability uh, conversation is, you know, the same thing. So um, go ahead, you be the uh, disgruntled person. Ready? <laughs> I don't right. know how to be disgruntled. Um, <laughs> well, you could just be that person, right? So oh, I could be her, um, yes. <laughs> okay, perfect. All right, so, uh, um, hey, Cynthia, um, I happened to overhear your conversation with the front office person, um, and, and your tone was really loud, and uh, here's how it, it made me feel as though you don't have any respect for that <laughs> uh, person. And um, I can even see now that you're, you know, getting a little um, upset with this, but I want to let you know that um, you can do that. You just can't do that here. You can't do that here. Because here at our school, at Torchlight, we, we treat everybody as though they're a 10. And I feel as though um, that wasn't your best. I've seen you at your best. So is there something going on? Is there something I can help you with? I love that. I mean, I love that. That's just a, a, a wonderful way to put it. It was just beautiful. But she really, um, I guess if I were her, I would say, I'd go back to the issue. I'm married. I'm married. And I have a ring on my finger. I have a husband. And I want everybody in the mm -hmm. building to call me yep. Mrs. Jones <laughs> or Smith or Adams. Or right. <laughs> And I know you're really proud of your relationship. And I certainly understand how having your name wrong could have caused you know, some issue. But the way you treated our front office person, they didn't deserve that. And again, I'm gonna, your, the way you talked to that person is unacceptable here at our school. And if it happens again, if I hear that it happens again, I am gonna have to either suspend you or maybe even worse, recommend termination. Do you understand? Wow. So you have those tough conversations right to their face like that, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Not in front of people. Mm -hmm. You do it privately. We're going to get to that piece, right? You don't ever do it in front of people mm -hmm. because two wrongs don't make a right. And I see some, you know, folks in there, I don't like to make other people uncomfortable. The only way that they will change is by becoming aware, right? Remember, all success is outside of your comfort zone, everybody. So it's important. And who should be the uncomfortable person in the conversation? You, the supervisor of the organization, or the person who's treating everybody as though they could care less? They should not be in charge. But by, you know, and I've done this, Dr. McQueen, exactly what you said. I have heard conversations, and I did not have the intestinal fortitude to address them when I should have. Mm -hmm. And we all know that that just creates larger issues. I don't care. I've heard it so many times from my principals, but they get really great scores or they've been here forever and other people don't care. Nobody's bigger than the culture of the school. Nobody. Not even, not me, not any employee, not any parent. People rely on you to protect them. That front office person was relying on you. And the fact that if they knew that you overheard it and didn't do anything, I'm no longer angry at the person who yelled at me. 
I'm done with you. That's right. <laughs> True, right? That's right. Yep. Yeah. Shelly said, right, our silence condones uh, behavior, right? And that's, I mean, you cannot. It just, it just makes, you just made it okay. And that happened to me at a school where I was not necessarily the supervisor in charge in any respect, but I heard, I heard a teacher yelling at kids and I, I walked by and then my inner voice said, we all know where the inner voice comes from, everybody. You can't let that happen. You need to turn around. And I went back and I just went to check on the teacher and I said, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine, she said. Okay, but you're yelling at the kids and so I'm just, do you, do you need to take a break? Do you want to go take a walk? Now, she wasn't happy with me, but I can't let those kids get yelled at, you know? And so I think that is the hard part, but you have to do it. You just have to do it. Um, Thanks for being that vulnerable there and you know sharing sharing a little bit. Um, so on page six is your blank, you know, you know, script, right? You can take that page six of your worksheet and practice those conversations. And you know, in fact, I'm gonna give you an opportunity. I mean, if you want to, you can come into our communication master course and we can practice these conversations one-on-one. You know, you could schedule, you know, sessions with me and and I'll be the difficult employee and you could, you know, you could just Share it because the more that we practice it, the better that it's going, you know, to be. And because nothing just happens, right? And it's always going to be clunky at the beginning. Uh, but you need to you need to be able to have that conversation about, you know, here are the expectations that we agreed on, but here's what I see. So just help me understand. And that's the closing the gap, right? Because they may say, Oh, I thought I was supposed to do this. So let's say, oh, I thought, you know. 7.30 at your door meant to be here in the building. I'm like, no, 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 7.30 means it looks like this. I'm greeting kids, I'm at the door. Like, that's what I need because safety and security. And if you're not here on your door at 7.30, that means, you know, Dr. McQueen's got to watch like the whole hallway because she's got your class. So, so let's think of some ways to make sure that you can be here at the door at 7.30. That's why we need it, right? It's a bigger picture conversation and I know that you've got lots of copies. Well, we have someone who can make your copies for you. If you have it to them in advance, it'll get done. I mean, whatever it is, every excuse that they're gonna throw at you, you just, well, here's, here's an easy solution. But my expectation is that you're here at 7.30 because, when, because when, when we hired you, that's what was communicated, right? That's what was agreed on or at the last meeting. I may have missed some stuff here, so there might be some good things. Let me see here. Nobody's there. Silence comes. I'm married. I'm gonna miss you, <laughs> Rhonda. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. So I want to make sure we hit these last, you know, couple of points. Let me check out my notes here. Um, Yes, so as leaders, we have to strive to build very clear expectations throughout our organization, and it starts with us. So, you know, someone said, like, where do I start? Just start by walking around, and everything that you see and go, I don't think I want it this way, and just jot a note, right? And then when you get a chance, go back to your office or wherever that you do your best at thinking and writing and just say, this is what I want transitions to look like and feel like. This is what I want a classroom to look in, you know, and your teachers can do the same thing. When I work with teachers and I mentor teachers, I say, well, what does, what does classroom engagement look like to you? 
if you've never thought about it, and, you know, you know, I've written it out, start there. Because if you don't know what it looks like, how will you ever get there? Right? What's your favorite vacation spot, Dr. McQueen? What is it? You're on mute. Oh, yeah, where, where do you like to go? Yeah. I, I've only been to Hawaii once in my entire life, but I, I think okay. that is my favorite place. All right. I've never been there, right? So I could have like envisions of what maybe Hawaii is like, but if that's the destination, if you communicate, oh, Tom, you'll love it because of X, Y, Z. Now there's lots of ways to get there, but we're all going to end up in the same destination, right? So at times you're not telling, like you don't say, well, you have to, Tom, you have to take U.S. airlines and do this. I'm like, well, no, I don't. I can swim. I can do all sorts of things. I, can get, I just want you there. The goal yeah. is that we all get to the same place at the same time, but you have to create the box that everybody operates in, everybody. You have to, you know, based upon values, to be able uh, to get that. So um, if the person becomes, you know, defensive or offer excuses, just go right back to the top of the conversation. Here's what we agreed to, but here's what happened. That's it. You don't have to go down a rabbit hole about how their dog ate their homework. They wouldn't allow that for their students. So why would you allow it as, as an adult? And so one of the real key things here is that, you know, Dr. McQueen talked about it, but, you know, emotion. And, and so we have our DISC personality profile, which many of you on this call may have actually taken. There's this graph and it specifically tells you how you act under pressure and stress. And for me, it made me aware that I act, I need control and accuracy. So if I'm having a crucial conversation, I know that I already have to, it's not about me, it's about the organization and it's about making sure we're all heading in the same page because I can you know, become emotional fast. And when I get emotional, I get dumb. And I say dumb stuff. So the more that you're clear about what you want, the easier it is to have that conversation. And it doesn't have to be a do it my way conversation and say, this is where we all need to get to. And the more that I have, the more I'll get better. But if I have to have them with you four or five times, I just don't, you might not just be a good fit. That's all. And Joya Warner, who's one of the best you know, school leaders I've ever learned from, She's like, Tom, I've had to fire really good content teachers. They just weren't good for culture. That's really important. You got, you know, you got people every day that are dismantling your school culture. So on page eight or seven, right? So the D's and the C's of difficult conversations, right? That's what I think that's where we're at. The D's and the C's. Are we on the um, addressing harmful people? Which one are we on? Tell me where we're at. <laughs> Which one? We're on a, addressing harmful, hurtful, and harmful people. We didn't cover FBI yet. Perfect. Thank you, Courtney. All right, perfect. So it sounds like this. So here's another example. So this goes back to Dr. McQueen's piece. Um, again, when you didn't have your data uploaded at the time, it made me feel as though it was not important to you. And you did not care about the rest of the team or me. Because as a result now, my trust that you can be an effective member's team is waning. And if it happens one more time, I'm going to have to place you on an action plan, right? Or whatever that step is. So that's feelings, how they made you feel when you yelled at me, when you said these words, when you showed up late, when you called out sick, but, or when you didn't call out sick, you, you know, no sick, no show, whatever 
whatever they made you feel, I felt disrespected. I felt, you know, let down. I felt angry. I tell them how they made you feel because difficult people, shockingly, don't want to know that they're making people feel bad. They're shocked when you tell them you're making, you're making people feel uncomfortable. When you did this, tell them the behavior, be very specific and the impact. So, you know, another example is, hey, Mr. Miller, uh, today you were late for the team meeting uh, and you also seemed a little unprepared. Un, uh, is everything okay? Well, when you're late or unprepared to a meeting that you schedule, it makes me feel like my time isn't valuable to you. Now, I can't speak for the rest of the team, but I would think that they probably would agree with me. And if this can, continues, I'm very concerned that you're gonna lose the trust and the respect of the rest of the team, which may lead to me having to make a decision regarding your role and responsibilities. How will you work to meet these expectations of being on time and prepared? How will you work towards it, right? You put the ball in their court. You can, you can do that, you just can't do it here because we have goals and aspirations and everybody's equal, right? So it's just, it's just another way of having the conversation with somebody. How does that sound? Does that sound something like you would be able to do the feelings, behavior, impact? And again, you're gonna script it out. Here's how you made me feel, because here's what you did, and as a result, here's the impact. You doesn't have to be in that order, but as soon as they start to take you down a rabbit hole and give excuses, just go right back to the feelings and the uh, behavior. Here's how you made me feel, and here's what you did. You don't have to go tit for tat with them. You don't have to talk about, you know, all the challenges that they're having. Because as soon as you say, I understand, or I got you, then you now, now you're making agreement with their limitation. Don't make agreement with their limitation. Okay. So the D's and the C's of difficult conversations, we're going to finish up here. Here are the D's, right? Do it quickly. Got to shovel that pile when it's small. Do it quickly. I'm on top of page eight. Do it quickly. Shovel the pile when it's small. Do it calmly, never in anger. Use candor and care. Remember, we, everybody's a 10 on their head until they prove otherwise. The third one is do it privately. You want to help the person. You don't want to embarrass them, even if they embarrassed you. That's not why you're in this role. You're an organizational leader, okay? And the last D is do it thoughtfully, okay? Do it thoughtfully. So you do it quickly, calmly, privately, and thoughtfully. And the thoughtfully is where you're preparing, right? You're, you're, you're writing out what they did. You're writing out exactly, you know, the issues that they had. You know, you're taking them through that. And you're gonna do it through these three C's with confidence, right? And that's the feeling or the belief that everybody can rely on you, right? Like. I can have this conversation confidently because I know I've communicated it. I know that it's, it meets our values. I know that I represent this. 
Because if you have your own character problems, it's hard to have accountability conversations. And that was me for a long time. <laughs> Nobody was going to listen to me because they knew what poor character I was. The second C is clarity, right? So that's the quality of being coherent and intelligible. You're being transparent. And so having clarity is the key. And that's why through our master course, we got those 12 specific lessons on how to communicate with clarity. And the last C is on common ground, on common ground. And this is the first practice of becoming an effective leader of difficult people is finding common ground. It means that you have to seek and understand these individuals, right? Leadership is influence. And people need to know, like, and trust you before they will give you permission to lead them. So you gain influence with difficult people by finding common ground. And that just means asking them, just knowing about them, right? And I love this, you know, acronym. It's FORM, family, right? Family, occupation, recreation, mission. Now, obviously, we all have the same occupation. But, you know, family, tell me about your family. Tell me about where did you teach uh, before? Where do you think you're a great teacher from the occupation piece, right? What do you do for fun on weekends? Why do you wake up every day? That's your mission. So family, occupation, recreation, mission. You start asking those questions, you're going to find common ground with people. You're going to start to hear them and listen and understand. Because a big part of that you in the VR uh, UOL model is seeking that understanding. You've got to be able to listen. And learning how to listen is one of the lessons in our, in our master communication program. So, because we've got, to, we've got to learn how to listen. I love it. Thanks, Linda. Everybody uh, falling in there. So, calmness of the mind is one of the beautiful jewels of wisdom, everybody. And the best way to address this is have calmness of the mind. And you do that by going through those six steps so you can have the seven steps. By making sure you're following the D's and the C's of effective communication. So I want to give you an opportunity to, you know, hop into our, um, our advanced communication classes. So if you got any value and, you know, tell me in the you know, chat box, like, was this worth your time? You just spent an hour and five minutes now. Did you learn one thing that you, that you can implement? And if that's the case, I've got 12 more just like it. Um, and so on your sheet on the bottom of page eight, there's a link there. And it's normally it's $19.99 for our 12 master communication lessons. If you use the coupon code 50, you could, it's, it's half off. So it's $9.99. So it seems like there's a lot of great. So this is a, it's a, it's a 12 um, part your know, course that's going to teach you how to communicate to others, how to clarify your communication, how to e, e communicate, how to address, how to um, get off your own agenda. It's 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 you know based upon what I believe are the best communication books, um, and you have you know lifetime access, right? So these are things you can listen to on a podcast. You could gather your team around um, and you know listen, and each one has a study guide for you to follow through. So that's option one if you want to improve your communication and i think this is this is a great value um it's it's you know it's uh i mean just you know think if you went to an all-day conference on communication you're going to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on it so if you got value out of this you're going to get great value out of that uh, the second option is to to do that course right to have access but then also get your disc uh, personality profile and i put my personality profile in the folder that i sent you in the google drive which it's a 29 page report that's going to tell you like 
your um, your leadership under stress, your leadership in the public self and the private self, your ideal working conditions, your communication do's and don'ts. Like we didn't even get a chance to hop into a lot of that during the session today. Your strengths in leadership, uh, where you work best, how you work best with teams, um, and it's a it's an incredible uh, resource. A lot of you who've been in, either in our your teacher leader groups have gone through it here or our uh, principal. Um, it's how I've learned how to communicate more effectively with hundreds of the people that I work with uh, on a monthly basis, understanding how they best receive information is how I need to communicate. I can't have everybody communicate on my um, uh, um, agenda. I need to communicate on the agenda of others. So those are two opportunities for you. Um, you should have got an email a couple minutes ago that would have come with those links as well. Um, to be able to hop in, uh, you know, to this. So we'd love to see you in those uh, courses. And so with the DISC one, I'm also going to do the uh, debrief, and then I'll do three one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions with you. So what, you know, Cynthia and I, you know, just did, I mean, imagine that for, you know, 30 minutes of me helping you write through your script, how to take your DISC, and I say, well, this is how you can, you know, where do you think they are? Let's, let's look to see where they are on the communication scale, how do you best communicate with them, and then I'll role play with you, um, and you could do that, you know, once a month for uh, three months or once a week for three weeks, whatever you want to do, but you could use that time. Um, and that's, and that's also at a discounted rate. It's normally $300 and I think that today you get it for $97. So, um, and if you need to be invoiced, go ahead and just, you know, reply to the email. I need an invoice and I'll, and I'll set you up. So perfect. So what's one thing you can do out of this? Your exit ticket for this you know, session is to put it in the, the uh, chat box. Like tell me something that went well today during this hour and nine minutes that you're like, Tom, I can implement this tomorrow or actually at lunchtime, because that's what I said. By lunchtime, you should be able to have a difficult conversation with somebody. And it could just be as simple as, hey, I went to your classroom today and I happened to notice that, you know, four kids were uh, on the computer while seven kids were uh, doing this. Um, now, we had agreed that we would all use this uh, uh, curriculum during that time. Can you help me understand this, right? If you're just getting awareness and then help them close the gap. Oh, that's great. I like that curriculum too. But that time of day is actually supposed to be used for X, Y, Z. And that's what we had agreed to do, right? Or whatever that may be. So Trace is going to start with the role play, lead up and make expectations clear. I love it. Address an issue with the D's and C's in mind. Yeah, great job, everybody. Well, listen. Thank you. If this was your first session with us, please, you know, come back for more. I hope you opt in and, 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 and uh, take advantage of the opportunities uh, today. And if you have any follow-up questions, go ahead and reach out. Um, but love you all. You deserve, you deserve to be able to handle difficult people with ease. And remember, you didn't do anything to make them difficult. So you're just pointing out <laughs> what you're seeing. It makes it so much easier when it's not about you, okay? It's not about you, it's just, here's what I notice, help me understand, and it helps close that gap. So thanks everybody, have an incredible, incredible intentional weekend and practice those conversations. I hope, I hope you take advantage of the opportunity. See you soon, bye.